welcome to the Arts Access Florida podcast. I'm your host, Brianna Jackson. Arts Access Florida is a comprehensive initiative designed to shine a spotlight on your neighborhood's diverse arts organizations. Each episode will highlight their programs and more importantly, amplify the voices of the people they impact. Conversations, community, and connections. That is the value in engaging with your local arts organizations. Arts access equals arts access. Support for Arts Access Florida comes from the Community Foundation of Tampa Bay. Championing philanthropy, encouraging and connecting givers to bring lasting good, investing in education and economic mobility. Learn more at cftampabay.org. In this special bonus of the Arts Access Florida podcast, I speak with Margaret Murray, the curator of public programs for the Museum of Fine Arts in St. Petersburg. We discuss the museum's newest wellness initiative called Picture of Health. This works to improve the mental health of both community members and frontline workers. Hi, Margaret. Welcome to the Arts Access Florida podcast. Thank you so much for being here. How are you? I'm okay. Thanks for having me. Tell us a little bit about your role at the Museum of Fine Arts in St. Pete. I am the curator of public programs and my job entails offering opportunities for engagement with our exhibitions and the museum's collection. So a recent example would be we had an installation by an artist, Jennifer Angus, whose medium is primarily insects and bugs. Um, so we had, um, in celebration of her exhibition, a big Bugsgiving dinner. And we brought in a chef from Brooklyn, Chef Joseph Yoon, who created this amazing gourmet spread using cicadas and black ants and honey from local honeybees. And it was just a wonderful way to bring our exhibitions alive and allow people to engage with them in different ways. Wow, I <laughs> bugs giving. I almost burst out in laughter. I wasn't expecting to hear yeah. that. <laughs> so, um, like paint a picture for us. What does bugs giving look like? Is it set up like your traditional Thanksgiving table where there's different dishes and but just bug versions? <laughs> we were going to do that, but the response was so overwhelming that we just brought in um, chefs and kitchen staff from area restaurants and then just had past hors d'oeuvres. And everything was based on Aesop's fables. Um, so there were the titles of the dishes um, were based on those fables. And it was just a really lovely, fun evening and so educational. One of the things he made was um, mealworm mac and cheese. Oh, <laughs> <laughs> that sounds delightful. <laughs> so amazing and one of the things that he said is that at the beginning of every event 99% of the people say they will not eat something and by the end of the event 99% of the people try something <laughs> just being able to take this really beautiful installation we had and putting a twist on it that really became an unforgettable evening for a lot of people 
and you mentioned cicadas and it is cicada season am i right <laughs> in the northeast right now <laughs> it is and i'm so excited because joseph you and the chef who came in this was i mean the chance of a lifetime to have. so every time i turned on the news joseph yoon was on it eating insects and cicadas with someone wow. <laughs> well the next time we'll have the chance to see that will be in another 17 years so strike while the iron's hot and i saw on your website that the museum's newest initiative is called the picture of health and it focuses on like the well-being of the museum's members and guests can you tell us about this project? Sure. So Picture of Health has three components. We have Museum on Prescription, which are physician pre prescribed visits to the museum, mood tours, which allow people to come into the museum and explore their own well-being or their emotional state of being um, through our collection, and then Sit, Stay, Heal, H-E-A-L, um, which brings therapy dogs into the museum. Tell us a little bit more about the Museum on Prescription. I like how that sounds. Okay. <laughs> so in 2018, we had started looking at ways to um, serve as a space of healing for people in the memory care community. So people with dementia um, or Alzheimer's. And as that research unfolded, we started to realize, especially with the pandemic, that it wouldn't be a good idea to bring medically vulnerable people into the museum as part of a group activity, which is the model that we had been looking at. Um, so while the museum was closed, I just started thinking about how can the museum really serve the community? Because museums all over the world were shutting their doors um, but there was also this really wonderful outpouring of support and people talking about how museums were vital to their communities and we needed them. And as these conversations were happening, I started to think, how can we truly be vital? I know that we are, but how can we demonstrate that? At the same time, we were renovating the museum. And I started to think, what would the museum be like if we opened our doors for the first time today? Instead of opening in 1965, if we opened in 2021, what would our community want? And obviously, healthcare was at the top of everyone's minds. Um, and one of the things that we had uncovered in our research was this concept of social prescribing, which is very popular in Europe and Canada. Um, and what it is, is that doctors, there's so much research now that shows that there are tangible physical benefits to art making and art viewing. So doctors can actually prescribe a visit to the museum. Wow. So we started working with a small group of doctors here with varied practices so that we could get a nice cross section of the community. So they are able to write prescriptions um, for their patients to come into the museum free of charge. And there's so much research that shows that it lowers your blood pressure, yeah. that it increases your dopamine and your serotonin levels and leaves you with this feeling um, that is so wonderful and has such proven health benefits. Tell us more about the sit, stay, heal. I am a big dog lover, <laughs> so this made me smile when reading it. So tell us more about that. Um, this started um, at the height of the pandemic when people were so conscious of 
the role that healthcare workers were playing um, in healing the community. And there were, you know, there were the wonderful evenings where people were banging on pots and pans and musicians were playing songs for musicians or for physicians and healthcare workers. People were delivering food to nurses and hospitals. And we wanted to do something, but we couldn't find a safe way to do that. And one of the things that we had found in our research, we held two focus groups here um, in 2019. And one of the things that came out of that is how healing people saw our gardens as. We have two gardens here at the museum and people just thought that they were so contemplative and calming and serene and then I started to think, okay, well, perhaps we can incorporate the garden somehow, bring healthcare workers into an outdoor space safely because we are still grappling with that. Mm-hmm. Um, and then I thought, ooh, I wonder if we could bring therapy to us. <laughs> Why not, right? <laughs> and my, the director of the museum, Kristen Shepard, who is also a big dog lover, was completely on board with that. Um, And it just so happened that a lot of the therapy dogs, as I started reaching out to different organizations, a lot of the therapy dogs had no outlet because their normal places of business, so to speak, were closed. They couldn't go into hospitals. They couldn't go into schools. They couldn't go into nursing homes. So it was this wonderful way to help everyone all across the board. (laughs) Wow. And what type of feedback did you have you received from um, people experiencing the garden and the therapy dogs? Oh, it's so amazing. It, and when people walk out into the garden, and sometimes we'll have six to eight dogs out there. Mm-hmm. So you get a voice of who you want to play with. Um, <laughs> and when people walk out, it just, it just changes their whole day. And little kids love it. Um, we had a group of over a hundred school children from Mount Vernon Elementary um, come on a group tour the other day, and we kept it a surprise. But we had to rotate people because we still do have um, capacity limits in our gallery. So small groups of kids were all throughout the museum, and when each group's turn to come out to the garden, oh my gosh, it was so wonderful. <laughs> Oh, I can just imagine their responses and the looks on their faces. (laughs) Oh, it was amazing. And one of the things that really struck me about that afternoon is there were some children who were unsure um, or who didn't have a pet um, and just seeing the children kind of be caretakers and caregivers for their classmates. It was such a wonderful lesson in empathy and also leadership for these young children it was it was really beautiful are you hiring I have a boxer bulldog (laughs) at home who needs a job and he's very sweet (laughs) oh okay I have a boxer at home they They don't make the best um dogs to bring into a museum but (laughs) (laughs) so that's great it sounds like you've received some amazing responses um from this project do you have any uh, community groups and organizations that you'd like to partner with in the future? Yes. So one of the, um, the third component of our Picture of Health initiative is our mood tours. 
And with that, what we did is we worked with art therapists and art and health professionals, and we walked through the entire museum collection and we chose six universal emotions or areas of emotional exploration that almost everyone experiences, such as joy and celebration, grief and resilience, relationships, um, empowerment, self-reflection. Um, so we took this group of six different emotional touch points and we went through our collection and chose paintings or sculptures that lent themselves to exploring that emotion um, and then created these mood tours. Can you tell us the process in selecting the art pieces for the mood tours? That was such a wonderful collaborative experience that involved so many people. We worked with an art therapist, um, Jasmine Parker, and then Mason Gehring, who was a recent graduate of the Arts and Medicine program at University of Florida. So the two of them, the three of us walked through the museum. And one of the most amazing things that happened during this, and it's something I've always felt, but it was really put into practice, is that museum collections are living, breathing things. When you walk into a museum, you think, oh, this art has been here for 50 years. This art has been here for 20 years. But museums are always bringing pieces back into storage to conserve them. Some pieces are very light sensitive, so they need to take a rest. Um, we also loan pieces to other institutions and receive other pieces on loan from other museums. So it was nice to spend this time in our galleries and we would choose something that we thought was a perfect fit. And then, you know, someone would say, oh no, that's going to London. So we'd have to, we'd find something else. And it was really wonderful because we worked so closely with our curatorial team who is used to looking at art in the museum from an art history perspective. And for our curatorial team to have to change their perspective on the art in our museum was really wonderful. Plus bringing in these two people who really did not have a longstanding affiliation with the museum. So it was just people looking at the art in a different way. Um, it, was, it was really profound. Wow, and it sounds like a lot of a lot of thought and planning went into this mood tour. Our mood tours are designed so that you can do it individually. Mm -hmm. Families can come in together and do mood, mood tours or large groups can do them as well. Mm -hmm. One of our most exciting partnerships is we're working with Metro Wellness and they are bringing in their LGBTQ youth group to come in, take the mood tours, and then have a group therapy session in our garden afterward, which wow. I am so thrilled. I cannot wait to see that happen. Um, and I'm looking at other organizations. We just launched it two days ago. Um, but as I see people interact with the mood tours in the galleries, I'm getting a lot of different ideas and mm -hmm different organizations that I'd like to reach out to. So some senior groups, I think would be wonderful. I think that we can bring in um, some folks with Alzheimer's or dementia mm -hmm. uh, because it evokes so many vivid emotions, which is very helpful. Um, yeah, there are a lot of organizations that I'm eager to reach out to. 
What do you hope that your visitors will take from the mood tour after going through each each emotion? Well, one of the things that has struck me throughout the creation of this program is how oftentimes people are reluctant to give their opinion about art when they're in a museum. They think that they don't have um, the education or the vocabulary or that they don't understand it or they might be asking a silly question. Um, and it's also that happens with our emotions as well. We don't always want to say how we're feeling or have the right words to express how we're feeling or we feel silly doing that. So both of these together are a way for people to create their own language and build their own narrative. And whether they share that with someone else or whether they just sit and think about it um, and reflect peacefully with themselves, I think that it's going to be such a wonderful experience. And one thing that we did, um, because we wanted to make sure that people had an opportunity and a mechanism to really understand and think about their art experience, we, um, we created something that we call, tell us how you really feel. And it is a well-being questionnaire that was created by the University College of London, who's doing a lot of research in wellness in museums. So we incorporated some aspects of their research into this questionnaire that people can fill out, they can return to us, or they can take it home and, you know, touch base with it every once in a while if they'd like. It just sounds like the experience as a whole at the Museum of Fine Arts is this beautiful collaboration of healing and mental health through art. That's what I take from it. And it just sounds like such a, a wonderful experience for your visitors. Oh, thank you. Yep. You, you described it perfectly. Thank you. <laughs> Margaret, thank you so much for joining us today. And it's so nice to see that the Museum of Fine Arts is doing some amazing work in our community by focusing on the well-being of others. And we thank you and we hope to see more great things from you all in the future. I'm Brianna Jackson, and you have been listening to the Arts Access Florida podcast. This show is a product of WUSF Public Media with the help of our founding sponsor, the Community Foundation of Tampa Bay. Our show is produced by Aaliyah Moffitt, Chandler Balcom, and Leslie Laney. A special thanks to our editor, Scott Walkler, and our entire engineering team. You can find out more information, performances, and other content that our local arts groups are creating by following us on Facebook or Instagram and visiting our website, artsaccessflorida.org. That's arts, A-X-I-S-F-L dot org. Copyright 2021, WUSF Public Media.